0: You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. Well, I'm Matt Wakefield, and I'm one of the pastors here at Mercy Culture, where, where we just, we're just obsessed with this vision of connecting, uh, of, of bringing people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. What does that mean? That simply means this, that what you experienced here, we believe that God wants you to experience this every single day of your life. It's not good enough for you just to come to church and have an encounter corporately. We want you to do that, but we want to help equip you so you can have daily personal encounters with God. So our membership or our discipleship process, which is our MC Connect, is we desire to help you connect with God in a greater and a deeper way. So maybe you connect with God different than me or connect differently than your spouse, but we all connect with God in different ways. And so we have just a few short videos to help you uh, learn more, more about mercy cultures. We heard Pastor Lynn say last week, so you know that we're not a cult. Um, but actually, really, just to give you a little bit more of the heart and the vision of why God is doing what He's doing here, and, and what it looks like to be part of Mercy Culture. And then you just take a couple of quick assessments that help you learn and discover the gifts of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit gave you, as well as the ways that you best connect with God. And then you get time that you actually meet with a person that's gonna take time, go over those things. And what's amazing about it is they're actually gonna bring the word of God to you and prophesy over you. I mean, we've seen so many people walk out of those moments like tears down their face, like, man, that was just right on. And we wanna help you start this journey of walking up the call of God, of living a life of daily encounters. So if you've not done that, you can connect uh, through uh, texting the all-inclusive number behind us, and you can find out more information of becoming a member, getting connected, and growing in discipleship of learning how to connect with God the way God designed you to. So, amen. Well, we're going we're to teach you still through the gifts of the Spirit, and I'm going to be teaching through the gift of prophecy today. If uh, you want to follow along with my notes, you can text notes to that all-inclusive number. And we're going to start in John chapter 2. This morning, John chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, on, on the third day there was a wedding in can- Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and the disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother said to Jesus, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour is not come. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. And there, was, there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the juice, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled it up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now, take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made mine, he did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sips out the good wine, and when the gusts are well drunk, then the inferior. You have saved the best until now. Come to tell you this morning that the gift of prophecy expands territory. Let's pray. We just say, Holy Spirit, we don't just make room for you. We give you this room. We just declare there's not any room for any other spirit but the Holy Spirit this morning. We declare no distractions. God, no things that will pull people out of what you want to say and do this morning. And Lord, we just declare this is the portion of our heart. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been in in this year, this is a year where we're stewarding the word of the Lord, which the word of the Lord for this year is this is a year of expanding territory. We find this in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, where Jabez prays this prayer. It says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and you would expand or enlarge my territory, and that your hand of favor would be with me, and you keep me from harm, keep me from evil. What we're doing this year, we're in this, we're in this part of the season, we're actually talking about expanding territory through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to give a little bit of review. We see the, the gifts of the Spirit, the nine gifts of the Spirit found in First Corinthians chapter 12. We see the word of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning the Spirit's tongues and interpretation of tongues. And Pastor Landon brought out this great idea about these five whys of the gifts of the Spirit. Who are they for? They're for everyone. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that it gives all these gifts to everyone. He empowers all of them in everyone. What are the gifts of the Spirit for? They're tools to advance the kingdom of God, tools to expand the territory. Where are these gifts from? They're from God. Every good and perfect gift, James chapter 1, 17 says, comes from above, comes from God. And when were these gifts given? They were given to us. We see in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So why are these gifts important? Because these gifts are the gifts that bring power to expand territory. Now I want to say this. There's so much criticism, critique, uh, misunderstanding around the gifts of the Spirit. And I want to say this, that what the world needs more than anything else is not just another politician, we're, though we're, we're blessed and honored and amazed by the amazing win that Nate Shepsen had this last week. Come on, representing us in State Representative 93. But you know what the world needs? They need people that know the Holy Spirit and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If the only way that we're going to expand territory is for the spiritual gifts to function, to operate in our life, we have to grow and learn and increase in our knowledge of these gifts. Today I'm going to talk specifically or teach on the gift of prophecy. But I want to say this, prior to me teaching on this gift, Pastor Landon has preached an amazing message back in 2020, July 19th. You can go to our YouTube and find that on how to steward a word from. From God. Just, just to give you one word of caution as we get ready to start this message is spiritual gifts do not communicate a person's spirituality. They simply reflect a God reality. What does that mean this? It's just because a person is used in a spiritual gift doesn't mean they're spiritual. God can use anybody in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and they can still be carnal. It's simply a reflection or a tool of what God is doing and working and God will use any man or any woman to distribute his nature and his reality of the world. You don't have to be a spiritual person. So I want to encourage you with this thought. So we shouldn't look at people who are used in gifts of the Spirit and saying, wow, that's a man of God or that's a woman of God. We need to begin to look at the fruit of the Spirit in their life because that's the character and the judge of the reality of a person who's separated to the Lord. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse one through three says this, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. I'll just stop there for a moment. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you know what happens? His mysteries go up. But when mysteries go up, you know what happens? Revelation comes down. We should be people, if we're going to let the gifts of the Spirit work and operate in our life, be people that are always praying in our heavenly language, praying in the Spirit, because we're speaking to God, and then God gives us revelation. Verse 3 says, But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Prophecy is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit to edify, warn, announce, and reveal future. This is the way I would like to explain it or define it. Prophecy is a supernatural empowerment to know and communicate the thoughts, feelings, and intentions of God. There's two main ways that prophecy or the gift of prophecy function. Chris Valiton, who's known as a prophetic man of God, well-recognized in this gift, says this, that prophecy has several dimensions. It's about foretelling, which is telling the future, but it's also about foretelling, which means to cause the future. Foretelling is the proclamation of events and the things that will happen in the future as revealed by the Holy Spirit. Just a couple passages that give us understanding about this. In John chapter 21, we see Peter, or Jesus prophesying to Peter, and he says this. He says, uh, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked the way you wish. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and in another words, gird you and carry you where you did not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to them, follow me. And so Jesus, we know that Peter was hung upside down on a cross and this fulfilled the prophecy that Jesus gave. We see in Acts chapter 11, there were some prophets and one of the prophets stood up in verse 28 and by the spirit says that they declared there would be a great famine throughout all the world, which happened after the days of Claudius Caesar. I remember some years ago, I was... uh, I think I was driving in my car, and as so I was driving in my car, one of the primary ways that God speaks to me personally is through visionary type experiences. Pastor Landon says it this way, it's like daydreams. God opens my eyes, and I see things in the realm of the Spirit. And so I was doing this, and I saw a friend of mine, and this friend of mine, I saw him actually talking to another woman who was not his wife. And immediately, I felt this caution, this warning in my heart that I needed to go and share with this individual this warning. So I just said, hey, you know, I had this, this vision, and I felt this as a warning from the Lord, be aware of this, pay attention to this. And he's like, yeah, oh yeah, okay, You know, I'm good. And, you know, there were some things going on beyond the scenes at that time. Three days later, I get word that this exact situation happens and he doesn't heed the warning and gives into this and then had some brokenness and devastation in his marriage because of some of these things. So I believe this, that God speaks about things that are in the future for two main purposes, to prepare us for what God is preparing ahead of us, but also prepare us for what the enemy wants to set up for us. And if we have prophecy, words from the Lord, pure, clean words that come from God, whether they come to us personally or come through another individual who's submitting these words, they should give us clarity on how to walk and navigate the steps that are in front of us. The Bible says this, that we should walk in step with the Spirit. How many know the Holy Spirit just doesn't speak randomly? isn't like just one day like, ah, you know, I should probably tell him about this. And like all of a sudden we just fall into something. I believe the Holy Spirit actually can speak to you about what's next week and next month and next year. And we can be led by the Holy Spirit in today's moment for tomorrow's moment when we get the gift of prophecy that foretells foretells of things to come. The other one is forth telling, which means to speak forth or disclosing anything that can reveal the thoughts, feelings, intentions of God. It means to call forth. We see in Romans chapter four, we see this speaking to Abraham. He says, in the presence of whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls the things which do not exist as though they did. Job chapter 22, verse 28, it says, "'Thou thou shalt decree a thing or declare a thing, "'and it shall be established unto you, "'and the light shall shine upon your ways.'" A few years ago, I was at a church preaching and ministering, and then we got done in the evening. Lady comes up and he says, "'I need you to pray for me.'" She was like hysterical and frantic, and she goes, "'I lost a four-carat diamond out of my ring.'" I'm like, that sort of seems like a serious situation. And so I'm like, okay, let's pray. And as soon as I close my eyes, my eyes go into, I see my spiritual eyes go into this vision and I can see her kitchen. I see these huge uh, ceramic tiles on her floor and I describe what they look like. She goes, yeah, that's my kitchen. I said, it's sitting in your kitchen. She goes, there's no way. I took eight hours today. We cleaned the whole, whole house. There's no way it's there. I said, I'm telling you, it's there. She goes, it's not there. I said, I declare it's there. She goes home that night, she comes back the next day. She says, The moment we open the door, from when we open the door, we could see into our kitchen. I saw the diamonds sitting right there in the kitchen floor. See, God is raising up a people that can declare and call things of the eyes they are, that begin to look at things that seem difficult and dark in our world and begin to call forth the reality of what God wants to do in this situation. And I want to encourage us as we lean into this revelation on the gift of prophecy. The greatest revelation is this: Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. The test Testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. You know, when you testify about what Jesus has done in your life or somebody else's life, it prophesies, it speaks to other people that the saying that God did it here is gonna do it there. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what we need is we need a culture and a church and a generation that finds the word of God in their mouth and speaks forth the things that are not as though they were. Now, let me lean in for just a moment because there's been a lot of dysfunctions. When it comes to this gift in the body of Christ. There's been a lot of damage, a lot of hurt. I would even, I know many people that I'm close with today that they've shifted how they've done church because of the damage of this one gift. But I want to say this. We can't pull back because of damage, but we have to lean into the reality of the truth of the word of God. So let me just bring out and highlight a few things that I know some of you are probably wrestling with the people maybe have used the gift of prophecy to manipulate you well the lord said so are you going to do and they begin to try to use the word of god the word of the lord to try to get you to do something that fulfills or satisfies their perspective their opinion and what they want you to do in life i believe there's a pure gift that comes with the gift of prophecy But the reason why we communicate consistently when we have words from God and we submit them to people is because we're not trying to control people through the word of God. We're trying to empower people through the word of God. And when I could submit a word that truly purely comes from the Lord, then it's that person's responsibility to take it and choose to walk it out. It's not my responsibility to force them and tell them and control them and manipulate them. The other thing that we see many times that has brought dysfunction is people just make stuff up. Can I get an amen? Sometimes it's to be seen and heard. There's people that maybe have gone and searched someone's social media or looked at and like, oh yeah, this person was born on that date. I'm getting ready to have my meeting or my gathering or my service coming up. Like, hey, I just feel someone over in this section right here in May 19th, 1984. and Like, oh, that's me. Like, And I believe God does those things. There is a real pure gift where God gives details and accurate prophecies like that. But then there has been people that have taken advantage for their own gain and pleasure and attraction for themselves. They're show and flashy. They're not pointing to Jesus, but they're pointing themselves. Let me say this. Any of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that point to man, but don't point to Jesus, run. Because the gifts aren't to provoke or to elevate man. It's to elevate Jesus. It's to make him higher, to lift him up more, to bring glory and clarity to who Jesus is, not who man is. And then one of the other things I think that's created dysfunction or a lack of clarity concerning the gift of prophecy is this as much of the gift of prophecy today is just about stuff and blessing and God's going to do this and you're going to get a new car. and you're gonna do... Now hear me, when I talk about all these things, I believe with purity God speaks those things. But I also believe this, the purpose of every prophetic revelation is to bring us back to the revelation the might and the majesty of the king. If it doesn't, It actually diminishes the authority of the word of God being communicated. It perverts and pollutes the pure gift of God in people's lives. I believe this, the main purpose of the prophetic is to show the treasure that has been hidden. Just think of it. If you went to a beach today, I don't know how close the closest beach is here, and you pull out a metal detector and you get there and you're scoping, there's things that are hidden under the dirt or hidden under the sand. But if you have the right tool, you can actually find the treasure that's buried. You can find the things that people lost. And this is what I'm aware of, is there are people in the world that are going through life and they've lost hope. They've lost faith. They've lost purpose. They've misplaced certain things in their life. And when someone who has a gift of prophecy functioning and flowing through their life can come alongside and has the metal detector of the spirit, they can begin to release to them the reality. Hey, this is the treasure that's hidden. I know you didn't know about it, but this is what God says. This is what God sees. And it brings to the surface the things that are buried under all the clutter of the junk of life. You see, the gift of prophecy is what is able to help the hidden things clearly be seen in people's eyes. Job chapter 28 verse 10 and 11 says, he tunnels through the rock and his eyes see all of its treasures. He searches the sources of the rivers and brings hidden things to life. See, let me tell you about my story of my first experience of prophesying. I I grew up sort of in a a four-square church. I grew up in sort of a charismatic kind of background and stuff. So I was aware of it, but it's never, never functioned or never happened in my life. And then I went to Bible college and I was interning at a church in the area. And as I was interning, the youth pastor asked me, you know, hey, I'm going to go on vacation for a few weeks. Would you step in and preach? And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I was so blessed. And God was really just doing a lot of, huge things in my life. I was seeing the presence of the Lord move in my life in significant ways. And so I get up and I preach the message. I give an altar response and got all these young people, teenagers responding to the altar. And as I stand in front of the first young man, all of a sudden my eyes are open and I see what he's struggling with. And I didn't know better, so I just did what I thought. You just say what you see. So I'm like, you're struggling with pornography. And I didn't say it quietly or to him personally. I said it in the microphone so all 100 students heard it. Probably not the best way to steward that gift of prophecy. Now after some years I learned that there's a Better way to do that, of course, I talked to this young man, young man afterwards. It really actually hurt this young man. In fact, a few years after that scenario, he came to me and said, man, I held this bitterness in my heart because of that situation. And, you know, I have to come and forgive you and stuff. But one of the things I learned through that process is that God does reveal secrets in men's life. Both things that are the treasures, but also the things that are secret sins. But the purpose of it is always to bring people into the presence to empower them, As it says to edify, to encourage and to comfort. It's never to tear down. And one of the things I learned over growing through this gift over the 20 plus years of God working in this way in my life is that God really wants to help people that he really wants to speak to people. And so I had moments like that later on in my years of ministry experience, instead of saying it over the mic, I just pulled this person aside and said, hey, can I encourage you with something? And it just shared, not in the mic, but shared what God was saying. And it brought that to the light so they can bring freedom and deliverance. God's purpose is never to expose something so you can be hurt, but it's expose something so you can see the light. God's desires that all of us would prophesy. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, I believe it's verse 31 says, I wish that all of you would prophesy. We see in Numbers chapter 11, Moses laying his hands on the 70 elders and the 70 beginning to prophesy and says that all of a sudden all these people being to become envious and like, is all the people prophets? And Moses' response says, I wish that all of you would prophesy. So I wanna encourage you, this gift is for everyone in this room. It's not for people that feel like they're mature enough or have a knowledge about all the other gifts or have studied long enough. It's available as a free gift of grace that comes to you. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says this: prophecy did not have its origin with man, but as holy men were carried along by the Holy Spirit. See, prophecy is men carried by the Spirit. Not men carrying the Spirit. Say it one more time. Prophecy is men carried by the Spirit, not men carrying the Spirit. See, it's only hard if you're trying to carry it. Can I have you, Connor, just come up for just a second? Can we give a hand clap for Connor as he comes? I want to illustrate this thought. So, Connor, might have you just pick me up real quick. He's he's strong like that. Now, this is the reality. I'm not doing any work right now. All the work, all the effort, all the energy is on the one who's carrying, not the one being carried. Amen? I think this is the reality. Can we have a hand clap for one more time for Connor? We think we have to carry it We think, oh God, I want to be used by you. I want to hear the prophetic words. I want to have prophetic revelation. And we feel like we take on the burden ourselves, like we have to carry something. This word carry actually is this word that means to carry a burden. Meaning this, the burden carrier is Jesus, not you. And when we get this revelation, we will rest in the presence and not put a burden on ourselves to try to be gifted. Let me just help you. Stop trying to be prophetic because you end up really being prophetic. When you make a decision, I just want to be carried in the presence. I just want the Lord to lift me up. I just want me to find myself as having rest and joy and pleasure in the Lord. I'm not trying to be gifted. I'm not trying to make things happen. I'm not trying to be spiritual. It's simply a byproduct of simply being in his presence. And it becomes easy. See, prophecy is easy when you're in his presence. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, says that no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All across this room, can you just say Jesus is Lord? Jesus now, how hard was that? Like, none of you had to go out and fast and pray? None of you had to like, you know, pray in tongues like super hard like before you could say Jesus. It just came, why? Because the Spirit lives within you. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, And if that was easy, same way, all of the gifts flowing through your life are just as easy. We make it difficult and hard. And this is the reason why. Because unfortunately, people, many times that have been in the body of Christ, that God functions and moves through these different gifts, they've made it about themselves. You know, our role is to actually equip all of you to learn how to be carried by God. And when you find out how to be carried by the Lord, all of the gifts flow through your life and it's just as easy as other people you see functioning and moving this area of your life. Bible says this, talking about um, waiting upon the Lord, it says those who waited upon the Lord will be, be, be lifted up on eagles' wings. Eagles throughout scripture represent many times the idea of having prophetic sight, having the ability to see from a new perspective, a new vantage point. And when you're carried by the Lord, it's easy. Like you're lifted up into the heavens and you're not trying to make something happen. Another way to explain this idea, it gives this idea or this picture that literally like a ventriloquist, Literally like a master putting their hand into a dummy and making the dummy talk. Let me say it this way. Any dummy can prophesy. Because the master is giving the voice, not the dummy. The master is giving the voice to the puppet. Okay, we'll, we'll stop using the word dummy. You're like, why do you keep on calling me a dummy? Like, I'm not calling you a dummy. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, the master is giving life or giving voice to the puppet. It's not the puppet that has a voice by itself. We don't have a voice by ourselves. We only find a voice from within when the voice comes into us, when the hand of the Lord comes into us, when the hand of the Lord is upon our life, then all of a sudden we find the voice of God. We're simply the face, but he's the voice. And I think the reason why many people shy away from the gifts, not because they don't believe in them, but they're actually just sort of afraid that maybe they can't be used in them. Like, I don't know if this gift is for me. I don't have it all put together. I don't have it. You know what's the great news is this. Acts chapter four, verse 20 says this. We can't stop speaking about what we've seen and heard. When you, whatever you see and hear in your encounter with the Lord, your only responsibility is then to speak from that encounter. I mean, that's easy. Go into the presence, talk to the Lord. He shows you things, tell you things, and you're like, okay, cool, I can just say that. And he's just like, Like, I wish I had a ventriloquist guy up here and, you know, you don't even want me to try. It would be sort of embarrassing. And this is what we think, though, is we think we have to become the voice instead of simply listening to his voice and letting his voice come through my life. When you take time to see and hear, you know what God does? God begins to pull out and... pull up all of the treasure that in people's lives. See, prophecy is not about seeing the speck in another person's eye, but it's about pulling the treasure out of their life. And when I get in his presence, it's so easy to see from God's perspective. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter three, verse 14 through 16, it says, so the spirit lifted me up. This is Ezekiel, the prophet. It says, so the spirit lifted me up and he took me away. And I went in bitterness and the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. And I came to the captives of Tel-Abib who dwelt by the river Chabar. And I sat where they sat and I remained astonished among them for seven days. And now it came to pass at the end of the seven days that the word of the Lord came to me. Ezekiel, his whole job was this. Let me get caught up or carried up in the spirit. And when I'm carried in the spirit, I will feel what they feel and I will see what they see. I think one of the greatest things that we misunderstand about the gift of prophecy is that we think somehow it's our effort, our work. But here Ezekiel, who was known as a prophet, who had clear knowledge and Revelation, simply was taken up in the spirit. And then he simply said what he saw and heard. Says that he was lifted up the spirit and the Lord took him and sat him where they sat. You want to grow in the gift of prophecy? Sit where they sit. Sit where the brokenhearted sit. Sit where the impoverished sit. Feel what they feel. The greatest activation of the gift of prophecy in your life is a lifestyle of intercession. Because when you intercede for people, you can't help see them the way God sees them. You can't help feel the way God feels about them. You can't help move out of your own opinions and perspectives and move into God's heart for people. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 says this, let love be your highest goal, but also you should desire special abilities, especially the ability to prophesy. Verse 9, it goes on and it breaks down how prophecy functions or works. It says it's the same for you. If you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you're saying? You might as well be talking in an empty space. There are many different languages in the world and every language has a different meaning. But if I don't understand that language, I'll be a foreigner to someone who speaks it. And the one who speaks it will be a foreigner to me. Let me say this, prophecy is the language of love that translates to all cultures because it expresses the heart and the mind of God. I went some years ago to, uh, Guatemala, my wife had to remind me after the first service, I went to Guatemala. And I was there in Guatemala, I learned three years of Spanish, or I should say took three years of Spanish, I didn't learn any years of Spanish. (laughs) As you can see, I am not learning also English either. (laughs) And I'm there and we're there for like a week or so doing ministry and stuff. And I I didn't speak any Spanish at all, but they, the people we were staying with didn't speak any English either. So we're there for one whole week. So I get up in the morning after the first day and I see them and they see me. And I'm just like, okay, this is awkward. Like, like what do I do? What do I say? Like, like, I mean, like, how do you communicate if you don't have like, like there's a language barrier here. I remember after the first day, uh, coming and seeing them a little later on in the afternoon, we met up for lunch and stuff. And as I saw them, they come and they come over and they, they greet you and they do this thing. They greet you with a holy kiss. It's, it's like a biblical thing. It's part of their culture. And so they come over and they, they kiss you on the cheek. And at first I'm like, wait, what, what's going on? Like, I, I don't really know you that way. <laughs> like, this is awkward. And then after being there for a little bit, you recognize like this is how they communicate and express their affection or love to everyone. It's a culture. Their, their culture expressed love in a way that when I came back to the church that we were at in Chicago, um, you know, I come in that day off the plane. I'm getting ready to preach and show up to service and I see all my kids I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And like, I'm hugging them all and stuff. They're like, go to my wife, like, what happened to Pastor Matt? Because that wasn't my normal expression. That wasn't my expression of, of affection or love. What happened is there was a language of love that bypassed our lack of understanding each other's languages when you have the gift of prophecy functioning through in your life, it actually speaks to the heart of people, even though they may not understand all this, all the perspectives or understanding of the gospel because it speaks to the heart and the mind of the individual, the love of the Father. Remember me and my wife were on a date some years ago, and we went on this date and uh, we're just sort of sitting there and stuff I go up to order our food, and as I'm ordering our food, um, again, the primary way God speaks to me is through visionary type experiences. God can speak to all of you in this room in different ways so so one of the ways that maybe God will speak to you is through this, this uh, still small voice or an impression or maybe you feel something physically in your body or maybe you have a vision or a dream, but in this moment I had this vision and I my eyes are open. and I see this lady that's in front of me. She's taking my order, but I see her house and I see her kitchen. I see the bills stacking up and I see that she has three kids. It was just a real clear moment, a clear experience. And so I just communicate what God was saying to her. And of course, she's like in tears and like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. Like, how do you know this? Like, God loves me. Like just in a mess here at this, this restaurant, but was amazing more than that was there was this young girl that was another waitress at this restaurant watching and she looks over and she goes OMG are you a psychic I'm like no I'm not a psychic I said this is what I believe I believe God loves people so much that sometimes he speaks to me about their life and she said do you think God has anything to say about me I wanna tell you the truth. Despite what maybe other Christians will say or what the world says, the world wants to know what God has to say. The world wants to know what God has to say. The world wants to know God's thoughts and intentions. They don't want to know religion. They don't want to know some other perspective. They don't want just a a random idea about God, but they want to know God's heart and God's mind for them. And so I take a moment. I just said, well, let me see what God has to say. And so I take literally two seconds. God gives something to me. I share it with her and she then too is experiencing God. This is what I believe. Prophecy is the power to deliver love in a tangible form. See, simply knowing God's truth is not what gives you authority of the word of God, but knowing God's heart. Will Ford said this way, I almost said Will Smith. Will Ford said this way. I literally I was about ready to say it. Lord, we love Will Smith. Touch Will Smith, Lord. The gifts of the Spirit operate through the fruit of the Spirit. You only have you only have authority over what you love. The gifts of the Spirit are to operate through the fruit of the Spirit. You only have authority over what you love. You know how you get that love? So you have to sit where they sit. You have to weep for them. You have to see them in their broken condition, their bondage and darkness and immorality and all the things that are surrounding their life, all the dirt. And you have to say, in the middle of this dirt, I know there's a pearl in there somewhere. In the middle of all this garbage, I know there's truth in there somewhere. In the middle of all this stuff, I know God buried the treasure of his truth in that person. And I'm going to make sure I pull it out. See, Jesus was moved with compassion. He wasn't moved by authority and power. He was moved with compassion. And therefore, he healed the sick. He declared truth. One of the drivers we have, or or, or, one of the drivers we have in Axel, which is one of our house visions here, is intercession over infatuation. So I was thinking about this. I believe that God also says this, intercession over indignation, meaning this, that if we're angry about something, but we're not praying about it, we don't have God's heart and mind for it. Be absolutely angry about the immoral agendas being pushed in our schools. Be absolutely angry about the indoctrination that's coming, the the false ideologies that are being uh, produced and pushed through all these things. But until you intercede, you don't have God's heart for it. You don't have God's perspective for it. And you don't know what God wants to say about it. We can continue to spit out rhetoric, get on Twitter and get on our social media and post all these opinions and thoughts. But until we get on our knees and we weep and we sit where they sit, we don't know what they feel and we don't know what God has to say about it. What God is looking for is people that will get caught up in the heavens, sit where they sit, so they can speak what he's having to say. See, people ask me consistently, how can you have a heart for Hollywood? With all the brokenness, immorality, all the garbage in Hollywood that's produced there, how can you have a heart for Hollywood? That's easy. I don't have a heart for Hollywood. I have a heart for the Lord. And when I have a heart for the Lord, I can see what he sees in every realm of society. And therefore, I'm not distracted. I'm not moved. I'm not repelled. I'm not any of these things by what's happening out there because I don't see it from this perspective. I see it from this perspective. And when I caught up, I see what he has to say. And when I'm caught up, I see what he's trying to reveal. And from this perspective, you know what can happen? I can have authority to speak in that situation. We've had so many people within the realm of Hollywood have encounters because they had the pure word of the Lord come to them. And they're like, wow, I didn't even go, God, that was this good. I didn't know God thought about that. Literally hundreds of people encountering the presence of the Lord because people took time to sit where they sit and speak what God has to say. It's easier to judge a culture and condemn a culture than it is to get into heaven's culture and begin to speak a new reality, a new truth to those circumstances and situations. See, it's so easy to look at these things. See, it's not that I don't see the unrighteousness in culture. It's that I see the Lord. And so when I see what he sees, then I can only say what he has to say. You can have two people that believe in Jesus, and you could have one person who chooses to get caught up in the heavens and see what he says and speak what he speaks. And you can have another individual who can simply look at the current reality of the circumstances situation and simply just make a diagnosis and a prognosis of what currently is. You know what we need? People that don't diagnose and prognosis the situation, but people prophesy to the situation. It's not hard to look at what it is and be like, oh man, it's so dark out there. Really? Duh. I know, I'm getting a little ornery. It's obvious it's dark. It's obvious the world is broken. It's obvious the world is is helpless and hopeless and needs somebody. But it doesn't take much to criticize, but it takes an anointing to prophesy. Could it be that what we call speaking truth is really sometimes just being critical? Mic drop. See, God was able to look at darkness and you know what he said? Oh, it's so dark down there. Oh, it's so void. Got so much chaos there. No. Said God saw darkness and he said, let there be light. You know what we need in the world? We need people that can look at darkness, not be intimidated, but not be afraid of it, but actually run to it. They can actually be the light in the midst of darkness. People that say, you know what? Politics is an evil, corrupt uh, place or space, but you know what? We're going to have people like Nate Schatzlein and rise up and say, I'm not going to run from it. I'm going to actually run to it. I'm going to be a light in the midst of darkness. I'm not just going to speak about all the corruption, but I'm actually going to speak about the purpose and the plan and the destiny of what God says in that culture. I'm not going to speak about Hollywood and all the immorality and all the things that are happening, but I'm actually going to go, into Hollywood and I'm going to speak truth speak the word and speak the power and it brings freedom and deliverance I've always found that those are real heroes of faith run in when the uh, the building is burning down People can stand back and say the building is burning, the building is burning. We did that years ago as buildings were burning. But heroes, people like firefighters ran in when everybody else was running out. You know what we need is a prophetic community that stops looking for the sideline, throwing stones at what is and calling out what is. And we need people to run into the building and say, I will rescue you. I have a word for you. I have hope for you. I have purpose and destiny for you. And until we do that, we will continue to condemn darkness, but it will keep on getting dark. What we need is people that can prophesy light to dark places. See, it doesn't take any revelation from God to point out what is, but it takes a word from the Lord to declare what will be. I think the greatest tragedy of the American church today is that we've partnered with the spirit of the age and have been unaware of it. How have we done it? We say the same thing everybody else is saying. Jesus comes on the scene. And when he shows up, he's saying the exact opposite of what the Pharisees are saying. They're speaking through condemnation and being critical. Jesus comes and he gives words and the Bible says his words are spirit and life. You know what that means? They don't have to be received by individuals in the natural because they always affect what happens in the spirit. That means this, I can prophesy, you may not agree with it, you may not believe it, you may not think it's the Lord. But if it's the Lord, it will affect the realm of the spirit. We're too concerned about what's happening in the natural, we're too judgy about the things that are happening in the natural, we're too too concerned and caught up with all these things that we miss the reality that God is looking for a people that we caught up in the spirit. Revelation chapter 4 it says to John he says, "Come up here." and see what I want to show you? Could it be that God is looking for people to be caught up in heaven and stop being caught up in what's happening in the earth? Have the worship team come join me. Get this question all the time, are you ever afraid of missing it? (coughs) Are you ever afraid of missing it? Yeah, absolutely. All the time. Every time I have a word, I'm afraid of missing it. You're like, wow, that doesn't seem like faith. I'm afraid of missing what God wants to do in people's life that it prevents me from not speaking what God is saying. I fear God more than I fear man, and I fear God more than fear of missing it. If you're caught up or carried, there's not afraid of missing it because you're not the one carrying it. So I was, just, I, was just, I was just, I should give it a hoot-hoot for myself. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not Pastor Lanning, but I was looking for a hoot-hoot there. <laughs> the only way you could be afraid is if you're carrying it. Because then that means the weight and the responsibility is on you to carry it. But if you're carried by Him, it's not your weight, it's not your responsibility to do anything other than simply say what you hear and see. Some years back, I I took a break for a year. I I stopped prophesying for about a year outside the church. Had a moment, something sort of shook me. And uh, when this happened, I I just kept prophesying in the church, did ministry in our church, and yet I'm like, I I don't know if I wanna do that. And now looking back about it and even think about it now, you know what that means? I was more concerned about myself than I was concerned about God and the people God wanted to set free. If you're concerned about missing it, you have to die to yourself. I know you're like, man, you could could say it from out there. No, I'm saying it because I had to walk through it for an entire year of having to die to myself and be like, ah, yeah, I have a word, but mm, I don't know, what if I miss it? And I come to this moment, me and my wife are going through a drive-through at a, it's called Bigfoot Java, it's a coffee place, sort of like Dutch Bros here. And We're driving through and I feel I have this impression, this word for this young girl that's there, and so as I start feeling this impression to share, my heart starts just beating fast. I feel like my hand's starting clammy and I feel like maybe I'm getting a little sweat on my forehead and I'm like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. Let me help bring freedom to you for a moment. Your nervous system doesn't know the difference between fear and excitement. You know, when you get excited, what happens? Your heart starts going fast. I'm so excited about this, right? You find a great deal at Nordstrom's or whatever, and you're like, whoa, come on, yeah! And you wanna tell everybody? Okay. And then, you know, your hands get a little clammy, and whatever. This is how the nervous system works, and I want you to understand this real quick. Is it runs, your emotions run through the same nervous system, but your mind chooses whether that's fear or excitement. So I made a decision, conscious decision. I'm feeling all the emotions like, ah, that I've been feeling for a year. And I'm like, ah, I can't say anything. I'm so afraid. Uh, Ah, this is hard. That I made a decision. And this is what I said out loud just prior to giving him this word. I'm so excited. This girl's gonna get rocked right now. She's going to get rocked. Her, her life's going to change. And what it was i do, and I was reassigning what my body was trying to tell me, that God was trying to interrupt that pattern trying to say, no, just speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. And so I deliver this word. This young girl's crying. She ends up having a baby later on. And, you know, we got to minister to her some more and stuff. And it all happens because I made a decision to simply just take a risk one more time. And ever since that moment, I, never, I made a decision. I'm never going to stop speaking what God says. The great Wayne Gretzky says this, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. If you never choose to step out, you will always miss it. And could it be that the treasure that is hidden in individuals will never be discovered? I didn't say this in first service, but I feel prompted to say it in this service. The Bible gives this description that when you get a word, it's talking about specifically prophets in this passage. It says, when you get a word, you have to share it or say it. And if you don't say it and then and, 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 and it's appointed for judgment or something, that the blood is on you. Could it be that people's lives are on us because we chose to be more concerned about ourselves and be be more concerned about my life and what I feel and oh my goodness, I don't know if I can really do this. And yet we have people walking around every day throughout DFW area, looking, waiting for someone to break in and have the word of the Lord. that would say, I, I detect some treasure here. Let me pull it to the surface. And yet what we can do is we walk by and just see them like everybody else. John chapter two, going back to that passage, we see Jesus here and wine is run out. And as the wine run out, they come to Jesus and says, you know, we we need some more wine. And So he comes and he looks at the servants and he says to them, there are six water pots of stone. And he says to them, fill the water pots with water. And so they fill them the brim and it says, draw some out now and take it to the master. And they did. And the water that had become wine was taken to them. It says, and the master, did not know where it came from, but the servants knew. It's interesting that these water pots were used for ceremonial cleaning, meaning this that when people would come into a house or into a new home or a party large like this, they would use it to wash their hands and their feet. And yet Jesus takes these, says, fill them with water, take water from this and serve it to the master. That's nasty. So let me just be honest. That's, that's nasty. But the understanding is this: that Jesus takes these water pots. It says six. Six of them represents the number of man in Scripture. Water pots we see in Second Corinthians chapter four. The Bible talks about how we're earthen vessels have this treasure in us. Literally, what it's giving a picture of is these that God is filling man with water, dirty men, with water. God doesn't need you to be perfect to prophesy. God will take dirty vessels, fill you with the water of His Word, And when you're filled with the water of his word, you know what you could do? You could draw from the water of his word. You could draw from the revelation of your daily personal encounter. And you know what you have to take to the world? Is you could take this water and this water in you, this word in you now becomes breath or becomes life or becomes wine to them. It literally has the ability to bring change and transformation to those people you carry it to. It's interesting that it says that Jesus didn't do the miracle. So Jesus doesn't turn water into wine. Jesus tells the servants to fill the water pots with water. Woo. This is what that means. God is simply looking for stewards of the word of God. If you could sue the Word of God in your personal life, if you can sue the Word of God in your daily encounter, you know what I have? You will always have something to draw from. And when you have something to draw from, you could take it to people and they're like, what is this? What is this? Where'd this come from? And they don't know where it came from, but you know it came directly from heaven. You know it came directly from the source. You know it came directly from the Word of God. You know it came directly from the presence of God. And when you begin to live this kind of life, I will tell you this, you will always have the ability to draw something from the Lord that can give a word to them. I remember some years ago, a person asked me a question, he's like, man, it feels like you have a word for everybody. And I said, I know I don't have a word for anybody, but God has a word for everybody. And if I could be a good steward of his word and I could steward this in my daily encounter, I guarantee you this, I will always have a word for somebody like well what do you do when you don't feel it I'm so glad I'm not led by my feelings what do you do when you don't hear and see anything I talk to the Lord and he's always speaking and if he's always speaking then he's always got something to say the question is this do we always have ears to hear the Bible says the Spirit is speaking. Let him who have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. God is always speaking. That's not the question. The question is this. Do you have ears to always be hearing? And if you're a good steward, you have the ability to come and give. The question I always ask of this text though is this. Where did the miracle happen? Where did the water turn into wine? Did it Turn into wine the moment water was put in the water pots, did it turn in the moment when the servants dip in the, the cup and take it to the master? Did it take Did it happen the moment the master put it to his lips? It didn't really matter because they weren't responsible for the miracle. You're not responsible for the miracle. you're only responsible for drawing out the water of the word from your life and then giving it to whoever. God puts in front of you and when you do that this will be a miracle for their life come on do you believe that this morning we hope you've enjoyed this message from mercy culture church if this podcast has blessed you we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend to learn more about us find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com